We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. If you would, uh, turn to John 1, 29 through 34. It's in your, your listening sheet if you're in the room and have your bulletin uh, on TV. We're going to be reading John 1, 29 through four, uh, 34. So if you would, let's stand together and we're going to read aloud our text for the morning. This then is the text for today. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. May God bless the reading of his word. You see in your listening sheet, there's, there's several um, scriptures we'll be getting to today that I'll be, be referencing along the way. Um, but until then, you may want to keep your scripture open to John uh, 1, 29. I know this is a loaded question, but when was the last time you said something and immediately regretted it? How long ago was that when you said something and instantly you wanted to just shovel it back in your mouth as if it never came out? I mean, there are times it, it, it's just like the, the words just fall out of our mouths before we know it, especially in the suffocating tension of America today. There are days that it seems like we'd, we'd rather spit our own opinion as fact rather than breathe. You know, at this point along the way, at this point in, in our news cycle and at this point on our social media platforms, I mean, there should be a litany of people apologizing for their asinine comments. You know, and, and it's not just the, the political comments. The, the language is terrible. I don't know why we're not getting more apologies. It's even gone this way in sports. Last week, the PGA Tour started back up. And people were begging the PGA Tour to, to put mics in front of the players. Let, let's hear what they're saying so that we can hear what's going on on the golf course. And as soon as coverage began last week, within 10 seconds, Brooks Kepka was cursing like he was trying to be cool in junior high. And the same thing happened this week. As soon as I turned my TV on Friday to have golf on, Rory McIlroy can't control his tongue. And it only got worse when they switched to Harold Varner. They're spewing filth. 
You see, apparently that's what happens when you put mics in front of people. They just start spewing filth everywhere. Or, or, or second, social media. We, we feel permission to post whatever we want on social media. And then as we do, we just turn into this broken fountain spraying bitterness on anyone that happens to be nearby. You know, phrases like, what about, or actually, or look it up. They just cue lectures from the 300 million race evangelists we have in this country. You, you can't go anywhere without being just soaked by all of these other gospels. And there's there's the, all of these varying gospels of race. There's all these varying gospels of, of COVID closures and, and all these varying gospels of COVID openings and, and how you do what you're supposed to do in life. If you hang around long enough, they'll even hand you a tract. You see, in all of this, in all of this fear, and all of this confusion is a work of evil. We, we need to understand fear and confusion is of Satan. Fear and confusion does not come from God. Truth and purity come from God. And in any way we see things being divided in fear and uncertainty and confusion, that is the work of evil. And in fact, there is one gospel. You'll, you'll hear all of these other evangelists proclaiming all kinds of other gospels, but there is only one gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and all that matters, all that matters in this world begins and ends with Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega, our redeeming Savior forever. And how we talk about Jesus Christ matters now more than ever. And what comes out of our mouth should include and describe and proclaim Jesus Christ more than anything else in this world. In fact, there's a great life hack for us. If you look, our first scripture for today is 1 Corinthians 12, 3. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 gives us a great life hack for going forward. In fact, it helps you to know what to listen for as people are sharing their thoughts. And in fact, as you share your thoughts, it's a great help for what we need to listen for. What do they say about Jesus Christ? See, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says that when somebody says, Jesus Christ is Lord, that is absolutely the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Right, we're in this study on the Holy Spirit, and this is part of what the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life, it transforms us from the inside out. And, and in fact, it begins to change our thoughts and our attitudes and our actions. And in particular, when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, the words coming out of our mouths change. They're filled with a holiness that wasn't there before. They're, they're filled with a grace and a future that we couldn't come up with on our own. And in fact, the way this is described in 1 Corinthians 12 is that the, the, one of the first things that happens in our, in our mouths and in our minds and that comes out is Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we say that, we know the Spirit is up to something. You know, we get excited when, when others say the name of Jesus Christ. That's a good thing. If they just talk about him or say something like, you know, if Christians would follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, the world would be better, and, and certainly that's so. It's good to hear those things. Sometimes we hear people even say something like, you know, Jesus is probably the greatest teacher that ever walked in the face of this earth. You might even hear people say, you know, Jesus, Jesus very well might be the, the greatest human that ever lived. 
And, and our ears perk up when we hear those things, and sometimes we're happy when we hear those things, but that is nowhere near saying Jesus Christ is Lord. That's of the Spirit. Anybody can say Jesus was a pretty good teacher. But to say Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, that's something else. And that's the work of the Spirit in your heart. You know, I think we forget it because we say it around here often. See, we forget that saying Jesus Christ is Lord is as radical a protest as it gets. Do, do, do we not remember that saying Jesus is Lord in places like North Korea or Afghanistan or Somalia or Libya, saying Jesus Christ is Lord in those places is a death sentence. Saying Jesus Christ is Lord in other parts of the world today can get you literally murdered for what you have said about the person of Jesus Christ. Last year, 2019, 1,350 Christians were killed in Nigeria because they weren't afraid to say, Jesus is Lord. You see, saying that Jesus Christ is Lord is costly. When, when you say this, you're giving up your life when you say Jesus is Lord. When you, when you say these three words, you're declaring that you, I, we are no longer in control of our lives. That we are giving up lordship of our lives. We're giving up control of our lives and we're handing it over to Jesus Christ. Where Jesus is now the director of our lives. That we're going to hand over our hopes and our dreams, our schedules, uh, uh, the, the future. Everything about life is handed over to him and says, Jesus, you, we say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You know, it's hard enough. It's, it's hard enough to fight the flesh on this. We're, we're fighting against our own flesh, handing that lordship over to Jesus Christ. But it goes even further. When you say Jesus Christ is Lord, you are eternally declaring that no president, no king, no congressman, no governor, no mayor, no boss can demand you do anything. We only listen to them insofar as Jesus Christ permits us to. Jesus Christ is the final authority in my life. He is the one that makes demands of me, no one else. I follow anyone and everyone else on this earth because Jesus Christ has allowed it to be so. He is the one that is King of kings and Lord of lords. And when we say that, when we say Jesus is Lord, and that's what we mean, every power-hungry leader wants to crush you. Every power-hungry way and movement on the face of the earth wants to crush you. Because you're taking the power off of the earth. You're taking the power out of your own life. And you're saying it belongs to Jesus Christ. And all we're doing is declaring what is happening eternally anyway. But Jesus Christ is Lord. And may, maybe the better question, maybe the better question for us isn't what was the last thing you said that you regretted. Maybe the, the better question for us wasn't the, what was the last thing you heard somebody else say about Jesus Christ? Maybe the better question for us this morning is what was the last thing that you said about Jesus Christ? Jesus is what? The last time you said the name of Jesus, what followed? When did you say it? What did you say? What did you say about him? Because as we're seeing in 1 Corinthians 12 here, the Spirit the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and in our minds prompts us to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, and Jesus Christ is Lord over the earth. 
And you know, when, when we say that, and when, when we, we submit to that and step into that, there's a wellspring of truth that just flows out of this description of who Jesus Christ is. In fact, that's part of what we see that's happening here in our reverse text for this week. So the reverse text was this John 1 text where John the Baptist is describing Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to recognize what John the Baptist is saying about Jesus Christ. Because the very things that John the Baptist is saying about Jesus Christ are the things that we need to be saying about Jesus Christ. As John the Baptist describes him, describes him so we too need to be describing the Christ. And in fact, here we are in the first chapter of John, and in the first chapter of John, John the Baptist needs a spoiler alert. Because John the Baptist tells you the whole story of who Jesus is and what's going to happen in the verses that we read this morning. You see, chapter 1, verse 30, as John the Baptist is describing Jesus, see, John was born before Je a few months before Jesus. But Jesus Christ existed before John the Baptist. John the Baptist's birth was somewhere around the time B.C. and A.D. collided. But Jesus existed at the moment the first clock began to tick. In Jesus Christ, all things were created. All of creation was for Jesus and with Jesus and through Jesus. This is what we read in Colossians earlier, that, that all of this is about him and for him. Our life, our existence is in the Christ and for the Christ and through the Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is working in us today to recognize what God is doing on this earth and so that we can be about the business of Jesus Christ. You see, this is, this is Jesus as Lord. And see, one of the things that we recognize with Jesus as Lord and who he is here, part of that lordship is he is the creator. And all of the rest of us are the created. And the created falls underneath the creator. When was the last time you said, Jesus Christ is my creator? It's an important thing for us to say. It's important as we recognize his lordship that we fall beneath him. And that's where John the Baptist goes. It's, he keeps going here. He says, Jesus is ranked higher than I am. If there were a power rankings of, of people on this earth, then Jesus is number one. It, it's like Philippians 2 says. Philippians 2, we read that every knee on this earth is going to bow to Jesus Christ. I mean, how are we talking about this? How are we, are we talking about Jesus? I mean, Philippians is pointing us in the future, and so there, there's going to be a day when, when no one will be left standing, but all of us on the face of the earth will fall to our knees and bow down and worship the Christ. How are we talking about this? Because I'm afraid that some of us are talking about Jesus like he was. Are, are we saying Jesus was, or are we saying Jesus is? Are we saying that, that there was a time when, when Jesus came and astonished every teacher of his day? Do we talk about Jesus like he's a has-been? Are we talking about Jesus like he's a one-hit wonder of the world's religions? Because what we say about Jesus Christ matters, how we describe him and his hope for this country and his hope for this world, it, it matters how we talk about him. Jesus Christ was, Jesus Christ is, and he is to come. Right, that he is the hope and the redeemer of everything on the face of this earth. He is the creator of a higher rank than I. 
And as you, you keep, keep moving down with, with John here, we, we see that creation itself is remarkable. In fact, we, we learn about who God is through creation. But then Jesus Christ came into our world in the flesh to recreate. And as he became, uh, came to recreate, the story is gut-wrenching. You know, the way John the Baptist describes it in, in John 1, 29, it, it sounds innocent enough. But the truth is covered in blood. When we read John 1, 29, it says, Behold, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the, the sins of the world. When you, when you describe Jesus Christ, is this the kind of thing that you say? Is this the kind of way that we're living, that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? You see, sin is this great enemy of ours, a product of evil, a product of Satan. And, and sin is, is destructive. It's almost like sin takes our life and puts it in a blender and turns it on and just rips our life to shreds. And, and that's what happens when sin takes root. It just tears us and tears us apart. And, and Jesus has come in the flesh to put all that back together and to make us whole again, where he takes the, just the little pieces clinging to the, to the side of the, the mixer, and he just puts it back together. He says, in, in the blood of Jesus Christ, you can live again. Life can be right again. This world can be right again, because that's what Jesus came to do, was put all of that back together, to take away the sin and make the world right I mean, is this how we're talking about Jesus? Because this is the work of the Gospels. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, that your life is a mess, but Jesus Christ will fix it. That's why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we celebrate Easter. Jesus Christ is the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And this is not new, because God has always provided in this way. If we look through the whole Old Testament, there are all of these times along the way when, when God provided this very thing in, in this very way. It's, it's kind of like Genesis 22. We go back and look at the first book of the Bible in Genesis 22. It's Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac are, are walking up the mountain to make a sacrificial offering. And Isaac asks Abraham, where is the lamb? And do you, do you remember what Abraham says to him? When, when Isaac says, where is the lamb? Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. And he did. You know, there's, there's so many of us that are still asking that question, where is the lamb? Where, where is the hope? Where, where is my redemption? Where is my savior? God has provided. You know, maybe it's, it's like in Exodus 12. There's a, another type of story in Exodus 12. This is when, when God is devastating Egypt. He's taking down the Egyptian Pharaoh. And God warns his children that death is coming, that death is coming for the firstborn. And in fact, death is about to sweep through the whole nation. And the only ones who will survive are the ones who, who listen to God here. And in God's provision, he provides them a way out and says, you will live, your firstborn will live if you will slaughter a lamb at twilight and take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost 
and the blood of the Lamb marked their salvation. So what happened with Christ on the cross, the, the blood of the Lamb marked the salvation of God's people from that day forward. Moving from the temporary to the permanent, from, from the, the, the things of this earth to the eternal. You know, there, there are others too, there's plenty of others, but when you, when you look through the Old Testament, God continues to provide ways to holiness for his people. And in fact, God, God's people are preserved through the blood of sacrificial lambs over and over again. It was necessary because sin kept showing up. And God always provided these, these temporary means in the Old Testament of the cleansing of sin for his children because that's what we need most. There's another instance too. Let's look at Leviticus 16. You can turn there with me. I'm going to read it. Um, we get to Leviticus 16, verses 20 through 22. There's another way too. God provided all kinds of ways of atonement for his people. So Leviticus 16, 20 through 22. When he finishes atoning for the holy place, so now, now we're moving into to worship, right? This is organized worship that, that we see. It's, it's kind of happening among God's people. Um, as, as this moves from the, the synagogue or tabernacle in, into the temple, these are the kinds of things that were happening. God provided for Abraham, Back when Abraham was out in the wilderness, God provided for, for the, uh, the children when they were in Egypt and when they were walking in the wilderness after Egypt. And now as we move into this time of, of worship together, God provides in this way. Um, 1620, um, when he finishes atoning for the holy place in the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay on them uh, on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. And as it were, a scapegoat for the people's sins. Because that, that sin remained in the people. God had to keep redeeming them in all of these temporary ways until the Christ. See, all of these kinds of things were, were precursors to what God was doing in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ was going to come once and for all and, and be that redemption for eternity that we needed. Jesus Christ was going to be the perfect lamb, the perfect final sacrifice to take away the sin of this world. Is this how we're talking about Jesus Christ? Because these are the kinds of things that we need to be saying about Jesus to a broken world. Because what God is saying, God is saying, I know the world is broken and I have sent the healer in the Christ. Are you listening to the truth? Are you listening to the way of Jesus Christ? Because all of your hope and, and all of your salvation is tied up in the person of the Christ. It was, it was met on the cross as his blood covered our lives. Jesus Christ is Lord. See, what, what, are, what are we saying about Jesus Christ? And so we, we have this sense that, that he is Lord over all. And, and in that, and part of that is just built up because he's the creator. 
And not only he's the creator, but he's recreating life out of the brokenness that we've made it. So, so he created it perfect and we begin to tear it apart in our sin. And Jesus comes back and puts it together for us. Is, is this how we're talking about who Jesus Christ is? Because he is Lord and he can save us as he's always saved this earth. And so we ask ourselves this morning what Jesus asked his disciples a couple of thousand years ago. But who do you say that I am? Because, you know, it, it doesn't ultimately matter what everybody else is saying about who Jesus Christ is. Who do you say he is? Who do you proclaim him to be? How do, how do you talk about his work on this earth? Because he's the one that's going to make the difference. And he's the one that's going to save us from ourselves. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we are broken before you. Lord, we, we pray that your spirit would come and redeem our words. Redeem our thoughts, our actions. Make us more like you, Father. So would you come and, and do a good work on your people? Lord, we're open. Lord, we're, we're coming before you saying, saying, please, come and heal. Forgive us of our sin that we may be made right again. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.